is Alicia Christian, and welcome to the Eating Me Podcast. Hey, y'all, and it's Leash. Welcome back to the Eating Me Podcast. I actually am stepping away from car confessions for the month of June. I have had an overwhelming response from people wanting to hear more about LGBTQ rights. And so I thought, why not? We are celebrating Pride. Let's go for it. And so each Thursday, you'll be hearing more information about the LGBTQ community uh, as well as on Mondays. So happy Pride. (laughs) This week, we have Afsane Muradian here on the podcast. She is such an amazing soul, and she is actually the author of a picture book series called Jamie is Jamie. And during our discussion, we talked about why she started, um, started why she created uh, this book series and how it is touching so many people's lives um, as it relates to non-conforming, you know, um, transgender, non-binary individuals and really just focusing really just on gender uh, as a whole um, and how Jamie is not even um, gendered in either in any of these books. Um, Jamie has different adventures in each book, and it's great to see how Jamie, as this child, is educating the adults in their lives, in their life, as well as the children um, in their life as well. So whenever you guys get a chance, definitely check out the Jamie series. I will have this information in the show notes as well. But before I, you know, get to the conversation, because it was amazing, let me let y'all know a little bit about Afsane. So Afsane Maradian is a homeschooling coach and author of the beloved picture book series, Jamie is Jamie, which has sold over 10,000 copies internationally and has become a classroom and home library favorite. As a homeschooling coach, she guides adults by giving them the language to communicate effectively with their children, empowering them to create learning spaces that are safe and inclusive so children can thrive. Y'all, this conversation was great. It was amazing. It was eye-opening. I learned so much uh, during this actual conversation, and I know you will as well. So I'm not going to keep y'all waiting. Without further ado, please, y'all, welcome Afsane Muradian. Y'all, Afsane is here. I am so excited. And the reason why I'm like really just like over the moon that she is here is because she is the author of the Jamie is Jamie series. Um, she's going to go into more detail about that. And we're going to talk about like how she is shaping, you know, how we look at trans and just non-binary uh, folks and just people in, in, in general as it relates to gender. Um, and for, for people like myself that are still learning. And so she'll probably clear up some things I probably just said too. But I am so glad you are here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get to speak with you. Yes, thank you so much for coming. Oh, we're not coming, but just showing up, turning on your computer, and just being here. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, how did you get started with just like I guess like writing in general, and then also how did that then lead to you, you know, g- gaining interest in you know writing children's books that are centered around you know uh, 
gender identity, diversity, and all those things? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm someone that always wrote as a kid. It was how I expressed myself and got my, you know, feelings out and, and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. But I didn't really think, oh, I'll be a writer. I became, you know, an English teacher. I mean, I majored in creative writing and history and then went into okay. teaching. And I think that having a child and anger, like those two, mm-hmm. th- I think when we get angry, yep. sometimes we can get really productive and go make things happen. It's a really good, anger is a really good motivator. And when my kid was um, about, you know, two, three years old, they were really into superheroes. My, mm. my child was born female and is now, I, I, you know, to be fair, they just informed me they're not non-binary anymore and they identify mm. more as bi-gender and gender fluid and horogender. So I now have to say that my child has three different identities to describe them. But when they were born, we thought, you know, they were born female. We thought we had a girl until we found out differently. And they were really into superheroes. Really, Mm. they just loved it. They loved, you know, really identified with Spider-Man. And so at a few different restaurants, like this happened a couple of times, my kid would go up to a boy with superheroes and say, hey, can I play with you? And the boy would say, no, these aren't for girls. You can't play. Mm. And I would get so outraged and especially after the second time it happened, because I grew up with Marlo Thomas is free to be you and me. And I thought we were past the stereotypes of girls can only do this and boys do that, you know, like Marlo Thomas fixed that. Right. Right. So I was, (laughs) I was so furious that my kid, you know, was being iced out from that. And then also I was so upset about this little boy that, was being denied playing. My my kid was a really fun kid to play with when they were right. three years old, you know? So the boys are, were missing out on so much. My kid was missing out. And I said, you know, no, this can't, this can't be happening. And right. I started looking and there just weren't, there really weren't picture books, like current picture books that dealt with that. And then there was this other side of it, which is that my child just couldn't see themselves in any of the picture books that we had. And we had a lot and we had feminist and we had, you know, we had so, so, so many, and they just did not identify with any. I think the only kid was this like blue haired, naked kid, right, you know, their backside running away from a bathtub. And it's like, I forget what it was called. It's something like break the rules, like a mm-hmm. child's guide to anarchy that like a friend had got as a present, like, you know, break right. all the rules. And my, my kid's like, that's me. I'm the blue haired tushy running away. <laughs> <laughs> so it really, it gave me the, you know, that anger and outrage inspired mm-hmm. the the character of Jamie. And it was just, the first book was just, oh my gosh, play with whatever you want to play with, be mm-hmm. a good friend. It just doesn't, gender should have absolutely nothing to do with early childhood or mm. any part of childhood. Right. You just play, create, imagine, oh. be, hang out with the kids that you want to hang out with, have different friends. And, you know, that's it. Jamie goes to school, plays with everything and everyone. And the kids want to know if Jamie's a boy or a girl. And they don't find out because it just doesn't matter. And throughout the series, it's not about Jamie's gender. We don't know. I don't even know. So Jamie is really like whoever the reader needs Jamie to be. So Jamie can be a boy, girl, trans, non-binary, 
whatever the reader needs from Jamie, because Jamie is just there to validate the essence of being yourself as an individual and as a child and the sort of freedom and liberation that childhood is supposed to offer kids. And that's, that's Jamie. Jamie sort of is like the guide for that and how to do that and how to be heard and how to be seen and how to be respected. And so Jamie kind of just does that in each of the books, although the books focus on different things, but that's, that's how it all got started was just me screaming at the world. Right. Little girls can play with action figures and toys don't have gender. And this is so wild as you were explaining all that and sharing that. And thank you for sharing uh, that with us. It just felt like my heart was just expanding. It's like this sense of expansion because I feel like, especially when it comes to children, like you said, they just want to play. They want to explore. They want to be creative. They're in the moment. They're like the present is their literally their present. Like that, whatever is happening right then and there, that's everything to them. They're not worried about any, you know, most things, unless there's been some other stressors that have been a part of their life. But generally, kids are just, they just want to have fun and play and be creative and just enjoy the simple things. And I I love that you brought that out in Jamie. It's just, Jamie's just Jamie. Jamie's just trying to live and have fun. Jamie doesn't even, like, it's not even a thought that Jamie would have to, like, you know, conform to whatever a boy does, whatever a girl does. Jamie's just being Jamie. Mm -hmm. I love, oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. I think, I think we, we have to give space, right? Because kids are just who they are. Mm -hmm. And then the problem is when the adults come in and say, oh, no, 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 no you're a boy, you, you shouldn't play with that doll or mm. you can't do dress up or, you know, put, it's the adults that begin to put this, these limitations. And what happens is the kids get this clear message that what they're doing is wrong or bad. Right. And, you know, it becomes very limiting. It's very, very limiting. Play is really important for development. We don't, as adults, we don't want to limit all of the things that are learned when young children play. But when you add on to it, it really is telling kids who are interested in things that go beyond these gender restrictions that there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's how these books very quickly become LGBTQIA plus affirming, because it's, you know, from such an early age, kids know that they don't fit into a box and that they don't they're not attracted to the sorts of colors, clothes, toys, whatever that the adults are telling them to be interested in. And then they have to feel that that's okay. Right. They have to feel that that's fantastic, that we love them for (laughs) wanting to paint their nails, wanting to do whatever, play, whatever, build, whatever that, that, that we support that because the second we come in with like, Oh, I don't think that's okay. Or, Oh no, I'm upset about that. Then they start to feel that there's something wrong with themselves and they're, we're talking about really young kids. We're talking right. about, you know, four or five, six, seven, eight-year-olds. And so the Jamie book set up the adults for not doing that, you mm. know, because it's so, it's such learned behavior for us as adults because of right. how we grew up and, you know, we passed it on without even thinking about it. So it's really meant to challenge how we approach what our kids are doing 
and understanding that how we make them feel really at the end of the day becomes a question of life or death. Right. If LGBTQIA plus kids feel loved and supported and celebrated for who they are and respected for who they are, they are not going to be as likely to have, you know, suicidal ideation or, right. you know, have, have this, those kinds of things come up in the future. And we don't want that. So it's right. how do you create this sort of open communication? How do you celebrate your child? And then, you know, the second book is all about pronouns and pronouns change and, Here's how you use the singular they, and here's how you open your mind to the idea that names can change and pronouns can change. And then the third book is all about self-advocacy and how, how kids can tell their adults, even the adults they love the most. It's really scary to tell yeah. your mom, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want right. to do that thing that you want me to do. And you know how as adults, we have to keep that open communication because serious things are going to happen in the future and they have to trust us and they have to feel safe with us to be able to talk to us and know that we're going to be there and care about them. And so all of this stuff is just so, so crucial when we talk about LGBTQIA plus kids, because they are not going to get that support as easily from all of the adults in their lives or the other kids in their lives necessarily. Right. So we have to do that. We have to show that in picture books and in all forms of media. We, we right. have to make that really clear. And, you know, and I, I just can't say it enough. Like, just thank you so much for this. Because even as I was just like reading about um, Jamie and Bubby, right? That idea of Jamie being comfortable enough to say to their grandmother, like, okay, actually you can't assume that, you know, you're, you're seeing this person and just based off how the, you, you know, their expression or how they're dressed, that they are, are he or she, you can't just assume these things. And I, the reason why I'm highlighting that is because it, that shows that Jamie has support, Yeah, you know, like, it's just yeah. kind of like, it's not, I mean, and I haven't read the book, you know, or anything like that, but I, it, from what I gathered, it's like, Jamie has support and it's like, how do we, and I know it's like through, you know, the education that you're offering and how other people that are offering as well, but how do we just kind of make that a thing for adults like myself and, you know, people who are, you know, I'm 45. So it's like people like myself and older, maybe in between, at least I, I say, okay, I'm backtrack, Alicia. I'm saying all this in the way of, I grew up in a way where kids were seen and not heard, mm -hmm. right? Um, we didn't talk to adults in that way because it wasn't a thing. <laughs> I'm saying like, for me to correct, like I'm in air quotes, correct my grandmother, that would have been seen as something that was um, disrespectful, or whatever, but how do we change the minds of people who would think of something like that as Jamie, you know, correcting the grandmother, but in a way of it's Jamie being educating as opposed to being disrespectful. And then also right. seeing that side of support as well, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, when you read the book, you see Jamie is very gentle mm. about correcting yes. Bubby, you know, their great grandma. It's, it's not, you're wrong. Why'd you say that? It's, you know, not 
jumping into correct, you know, it's like, right. oh, Jamie, that man dropped his wallet. Go get it for him. Right. And then, you know, Jamie does. And then, you know, Bubby says, was he, was he happy? Did he thank you? And I said, oh, you know what, Bubby, that's actually my neighbor, Miss Wallace. Mm. You know, so it's, it's done in a very oh, sweet, very gentle way. You know, oh, right. you know, Bubby, I think, you know, they run into a character that's trans and Bubby knew this woman as okay. a boy, you know, a young boy. Like, right. Oh, he was so sweet. Blah, blah. You know, Bubby, I don't think that she goes by he anymore, you know, Bobby, there's wow. a different name now, you know, right. so it's, it's very gentle. It's very, okay. very gentle on how Jamie is, is correcting, but the, the learning is there. The explanation is there, you know, mm -hmm. so if you don't know, you can use the singular that, you know, my friend Sam goes by the singular that, you know, right. so, and then there's all kinds of tips in the back of each of the books have right. tips for, adults for you know the adults reading it how to have discussions and then there's a free you know teacher's guide leader's guide that goes with all three books on the website with activities and all kinds of stuff because they're really meant to be conversation starters and they're not really these are not contentious topics with little kids you know, especially if you're in a place like new york city you say oh there's a singular thing yeah i know my <laughs> gymnastics teacher is they you know it's like not like kids don't have a hard time with it i think what it comes down to though is that i think we have to see kids as human beings yes. who are intellectual beings who <clears throat> have to be respected and so in the same way that we want to be treated with respect or, you know, we would treat our neighbor with respect. We actually have to respect our kids yes. because they, especially the adults, especially, you know, the adults in the classroom, in a school setting, in, you know, any adults working with kids, they set the tone for what it, what's okay to say mm. and how to, what, you know, how do you react and what is okay. So it's really up to the adults to create the safe spaces. Right for any of the kids who do not fit the dominant profile. So, right. you know, race, sexuality, gender, all kinds of things, right? There's mm -hmm. all, bullying takes so many forms. So it's really only acceptable if the adults make it acceptable, right? right? So it's really up to the adults set the tone. I mean, we know I've worked in schools, you worked in schools. Right. It's the administration that sets the tone yeah. for what is okay and what isn't. The, the teacher sets the tone for the classroom. Right. So if a teacher is not going to use the preferred pronoun, the preferred name, then the teacher is sending a message to right. all of the kids that that child is not okay, who they are right. is not okay. Right. And it's wrong. Right? right. So that that becomes then like, OK, if that adult's going to make that choice, other adults, parents, who you know, community, other parents in the school have to then step in and push back because the kids don't have any power in that situation. Mm. And I think what we're seeing is far too often trans kids are being targeted. Right. And I don't just mean bullying in schools because you right. know LGBTQIA kids are absolutely targeted for bullying in schools, but I mean like legislation, like yes. laws are being passed right now across the country that single out children and what kind of healthcare they can have access to and what kind of sports they can play if they can play sports. So this is like 
these kids can't do anything to fight for themselves. They're right. counting on us. And we know that the, we have to, we have to be very loud and very vocal and we need to use our numbers to right. push back on that sort of stuff. Right. But parents have a lot of power in a school and, you know, yeah. <laughs> we see that when they get books banned, but also parents can have a right. lot of power to create safe spaces, to make, you know, spaces more inclusive, more diverse, right. more celebratory of the differences. Right. And that's what the other, the other kids are learning from that every step of the way. Right. So we have to see it as, you know, making a real shift, a real shift in what adults feel like they can get away with because- mm. They are, they're, they're being watched and we want our kids to feel safe. So I think, you know, I think these books become a really good eye opener for adults mm. who are willing to read them and, and right. think about these things and really good ways to have discussions with a whole group of kids or adults and kids about, right. you know, being who you are, playing with whatever people's right. names and pronouns, self-advocacy. Self-advocacy is not... LGBTQIA specific, right? But if you do not have that door open, you are, you know, your child is not going to tell you that they're being bullied or that right. they feel like who they are is wrong and they don't have the right to exist and all that sort of stuff. So it, it really does um, make a huge difference. With yeah. these, these ideas and these approaches and this kind of communication. Yeah. And it's so wild. Cause as you were saying that I was, I was just thinking about, what I feel a lot of people are so resistant in, you know, accepting this whole idea of non-binary people is because I think people are so, still confused about the idea of gender not being sexuality. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I, I just wonder like how, and like your books are so perfect for this type of education because it, it takes out this whole, I, idea of what people think of when they think of the LGBTQ um, IA plus community because I, I'm a lesbian and growing up I was always in a space of like pray, literally praying to God to get rid of this because I was like I don't want to be what I heard in church as this perverse person and I am only, you know, gonna, I'm going to be out here just fornicating and all these things. And now to see how things are evolving or, or not, right? Rather, I'm just wondering right. how books like yours and then, um, and then just the additional education will continue to like show that even, even being you know, gay or lesbian as well is not perverse. It's just who you are as a person, right? Like, like beyond the, like the education that we're offering with like books, like I said, books like yours and all that, I'm just wondering what else can be done. And there might not even be an answer, but I'm just like, how else can we get the word out to people that you're, you're talking about human beings. This, this is not some caricature that you've created in your mind that doesn't have thoughts, feelings, and could be related to you for all you know, you know? Yeah, I think, I think nothing changes consciousness faster mm -hmm. than really large demonstrations. Yeah. yeah. You know, than struggle. And, you know, people, it's Pride Month. Everyone's talking about Stonewall. 
Right. Stonewall did more than any individual conversations could have done to let people out of the closet and to say, we are here, we exist, we are not going to hide our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And so much had to happen since then to get to gay marriage, right? right? It was not like the next week. But to put, you know, real discussions of how people are treated on the table, right? Nothing does more for talking about how people are treated by the police than Black Lives Matter. Right. There's just, it, it creates a national dialogue. And I think, you know, there, there was a massive shift. I think there still is a real, real, real shift in consciousness. I think there is an enormous amount of acceptance yeah. and not just acceptance, right, or inclusivity, but kids, there's a ton, a ton of teenagers who don't identify as straight. Yeah, that would just be boring. Why be straight? Right. And everyone <laughs> is curious and fluid. And it's awesome. There's a totally different way of thinking about it mm. if you're younger. And I think, you know, children's programming really reflects that there's so much on Netflix where like, there has to be at least one LGBTQIA plus character, right? I mean, the main protagonist is no longer a white boy. That's mm. not what we're seeing anymore. We're seeing all kinds of different characters come to the forefront and have experienced quests and challenges and you know experiences. And so for young kids, it all it all just seems normal. But right. I think whenever whenever there's you know that kind of progress, there is you know a reactionary side that pushes back that wants things to go back to how they were before. And I right. think. I think what we, you know, just aren't seeing enough of is just coming out and really that the kind of defense that needs to happen right right now, you know, these laws are being passed and there's, you know, all kinds of different groups are being targeted from laws happening now. And I, I think, I think we've kind of lost sight of like, well, that's, that's really like the, the power that we have to change things is through that. And that's how, you know, every single section right and that the intersectionality of it all too right if you're talking about lgbtqia plus it's not one race it's not you know just one segment of of the of society and so i think i think we have to like figure out more and more ways to be visible and heard in our numbers because i think the majority of people you know don't want to see anyone back in the closet don't want to really see these laws take effect right and just feel kind of powerless in Mm -hmm. the face of it so I think, you know, we're, we're writing the books. We got that covered you know? <laughs> by, by the books, you know, get, get the Jamie series into classrooms. I mean, it would make a huge difference if right. every classroom around the country, you know, except for Florida where it's not legal, but even in Florida, Gosh. you know, do it anyway, but like, you know, <laughs> except for, for in Florida and Texas, you know, get right. the, if you get the books in every classroom, right. And you have these discussions happening in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, it, it becomes a very different, you know, then you've got whole group, so many kids having a very different understanding of this stuff. Right. So that when someone says something disparaging, they're not going to accept it because no, 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 Jamie's not like, you know, that's different. Right. And yeah, I think, I think it's a really important point that, you know, gender and gender inclusiveness is quite divorced from sexuality. You right. know, young kids, kids can know that they're trans when they're, you know, four years old. Right. And it's not because they want to go and sleep with anyone. They, ha- they don't have those hormones yet. 
it's because they're in the wrong body. Their body right. doesn't fit who they are. Right. So it wasn't, you know, for my child, it wasn't, oh, I'm a boy and a girl. It was, I just, I don't identify as either. There right. are like these rules set out and these, these images of what it means to be a girl and what it means to be a boy. And I, I'm not interested in any of that. I'm just right. me. I just want to be myself and do what I want to do without that. I'm not that. And when, when my first, when my child first said that they were non-binary, it was right before Jamie and Bubby came out and they said, well, my pronouns are she and they. Mm, okay. Said, okay. So I'm not really gonna like, you know, call grandma, call great grandma. You know, I'm not right. really gonna do that much about this because she is, is okay. And then I saw the, the shift. Like I really had to be educated by my child in this because I saw what happened. Every time someone said she, my child would cringe. Mm. And I said, well, maybe, maybe your pronoun isn't she. Right. Said, yeah. My pronoun, my pronoun is they, them. I'm not she. Right. Because it was like someone was saying he to mm. a girl. Like it was the wrong pronoun. Calling right. my child she was like, that's, that's not, that's not me. You know, it was mm. this really, it was a very real reaction. And I thought, well, you know what? It's, I had to retrain my brain. When you talk to your kids, you're on automatic pilot. You don't really listen to yourself. Yes. You just talk. <laughs> and so having to change the pronoun that I use for this person that I'm constantly, you know, talking to or at all day long, right? right. This was during, this was during quarantine too. So it was like endless talking. What, how do I do that? To, you know, so to have to, it was, I had to retrain my brain. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't right. that easy. And I made mistakes. And then I saw my child. And, you know, I really have to, I have to get this together because I'm the mom. I can't use the wrong pronoun for my child. Like I'm trying and I'm getting it wrong. And then, you know what? It just, it just clicked. Like once I realized I had to really listen to myself and I couldn't keep making, you know, couldn't keep self-correcting. I had to just know it and get it. Right. I did. Right. And, you know, I had to have a conversation with my mother that this is the wrong pronoun. This is mm. like calling a boy she or calling mm -hmm. a girl he, that it is exactly the same thing. And you are the grandmother and you can't do that. Right. <laughs> you can't, you can't. And, and then it really does become bullying. If you know and you choose not mm. to use someone's pronouns, it's, it's, it's gender-based bullying. It's the same way of, you know, kids calling a girl he or calling a boy she and it's right. gender based it's like we're making fun of you because we don't think you're boy enough or we don't think you're girl enough mm. and so to take someone who has a different gender identity that requires they and there are other pronouns besides they there's there's right. there are other pronouns i don't know that i am pronouncing them right because i've seen them written and i think it's really important that we just say you know hi i'm absenting my pronouns are she her What's your right. name? What are your pronouns? Like we, we just have to get into the habit of introducing ourselves and finding out from other people and not right. making those assumptions and, you know, really understanding that this is who someone is. Mm. And so to deny them the right to be who they are ends up, you know, it's really an act of violence. If you think about it, if it's yeah. by accident, oops, it's by accident, right? right. Like, like find out and apologize and make the, and make the shift. If it's on purpose, it's me using my ability to hurt you mm. through words to deny your right to exist. 
Right. And we, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, bullying, it's gender-based, racially-based. And we just, you know, for those of us that don't want to do that, we have to step in when we see that happening. We right. have to make sure that the people doing that don't feel that it's cool or okay to right. do it. And right. so that the kids can feel safe. So that that's kind of where we're at now because the stakes have gotten really high yes. since I've you know, since I've written these books. It's very different. Drag story hour was oh. celebrated. It was cute. It was lovely. It was celebrated yes. around the country. Now it's like proud boys are showing up to it and mm. communities have to come together to defend it. So it, this this interview, I feel like, has a very different character than any other interview that right. I've given about these books because it's like, okay, now it is time actually for communities to come out and defend these kids. And, right. you know, at school board meetings with classroom teachers, if this is your child, then you're, you're going to have to advocate for your child. And it's right. better if you're not by yourself, right? It's better if you can talk to the other parents in the classroom, right. whoever else agrees with you and go together and say you know, this is what we want and, you know, can show up with the Jamie series, which helps force that conversation or not. But I think it, I think it helps. And there are other books too, that you can definitely get your hands on, but I think it helps to get the books into the classrooms, have them read in circle times and, you know, have them be a part of things. And then it just makes everything so normal, Mm -hmm. so common and so normal because, um, that's, that's what's happening. That's what I know. As we have an increase in neurodivergent children, there's also, you know, neurodivergent children don't have the skills to be in the closet. Mm. They can't, they can't fake who they are, hide who they are. So there is a very large percentage of LGBTQIA plus people who are also neurodivergent. And we have to make space and, you know, where they can learn and they can be safe and they can be who they are in any and every setting. And that that's on, that's on us. That's our job. That's not theirs. And thank you so much for bringing up the neurodivergency at at this point, because I know there are probably some people who have probably heard that phrase, but are probably like, still like, what is that exactly? Right? Like what is a neurodivergent, I can't even talk right now, neurodivergent person. What does that look like? Um, And are there, different types of neurodivergency. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. So I, I also, you know, I write picture books. I'm also a homeschooling coach for parents who are homeschooling neurodivergent kids. So I, you know, do know some about this, but I I don't think people are going to be that happy with my answer because neuro neurodivergency, neurodiversity is such a blanket. It's just such a blanket phrase and it doesn't mean one thing. So uh, in the most, you know, general terms, it's people who are, you know, their brains are wired differently. They process information right. and experience the world differently than anybody else. And no two neurodivergent people are the same. Exactly. And we love that. Yes. Just like, no, I mean, no two people are the same. So in terms of diagnoses, we're talking about autism spectrum disorder, you know, attention deficit, um, hyperactivity disorder, you know. Um, sensory processing disorder, anxiety, you know, now like, you know, really uh, high levels of anxiety has been included in neurodiversity and um, oppositional defiance disorder, also Mm. ODD. So, you know, we always talk about it with the letters, but those are sort of the main diagnosis. I mean, there's, there's others, 
Yeah. Those are the main ones. And like, yeah, no two people with autism have the same autism. No right. two people with ADHD have this are the same. It's just, it's so different, which is why we really have to change the, the way that we look at people and the way that we look at kids and the way that we look at education and the way that we look at spaces for kids, mm. because so much of schooling is about, you know, getting everyone to conform, do the same things in the same way at right. the same time. And if you can't, then you're a problem. It's a behavior right. problem. What that schooling dynamic does for, for kids who are neurodivergent is like you're trying to put a square, you know, into a round hole. Right. And like it's just not gonna work. Right. So for me, it's like, you know what? Learning happens in so many different ways. We're talking mm -hmm. about children. We're talking about the most important time in their development and their formation. And we as adults can open things up. We can open up our minds. We can get, especially when you're talking about early childhood, where it's mm. really play-based and it should be, you know, right. all the shift to academics. We could talk about, you know, in a different, <laughs> different program, but right. it's really play is, is right. Mr. Rogers, like play is the work of childhood. Play is right. the work, you know, that is their job. Their job is to play. Right. So our job is to keep them safe. Our job is to make sure that, you know, no one's getting hurt. And nothing in it, you know, I'm like remembering what I taught in a preschool and the wacky inappropriate things that would happen. Our job is to make sure that's not going on. Right? Like no one's playing doctor on the playground. But other than that, you know, and like coaching them socially, how do you apologize? How do you ask for something? How do you get your turn? You know, all that sort of coaching. But we we have to make space. Like if a if a child moves their body in a certain way that has to be fine. That shouldn't be weird or right. scary or, you know, that the other kids don't want to be friends with them. Just like, you know, if a boy comes to school with nail polish, it should be like, Ooh, how'd you choose that color? Right. How'd you, you know, yeah. how do you not get it all over your skin? Right. So, right. you know, anyone and everyone can wear a tutu, but if you're a girl, you don't have to wear a tutu. You right. can hate everything girly. It's fine. Right. So right. it's really just like, everything that we know about all the sort of rigid definitions that we have about mm. children, mm. we kind of have to throw out the window right. and it really has to come down to is what's happening respectful. Is everyone safe? Right. Is everyone learning? And that is really hard. It's really hard when you have 30 kids in a classroom or, you know, I, I'm not saying it's like super, super easy, right. but it really, you know, it's not up to us as adults to condition kids in a way that makes them feel that who they are is the problem. Mm. If it's behavior or preferences or a name or a pre it doesn't really matter. They have to feel like who they are is okay. And we have to figure out ways to accommodate them. Right. And so in the absence of that, a lot of families homeschool because mm. they just don't feel like they have another option. And then there's a lot of challenges that come along with that because not every parent has, you know, understands the kind of communication right. or how do you set up awesome learning experiences for mm -hmm. kids that are so unique and all that sort of stuff. So that's okay. They just call me and I help them with it. it, especially when it comes to neurodivergent kids. They are amazing. They are fine. They are just going through their own thing. They have their own experience, their own right. perspective. 
Right. So we can respect that and find out what that is, or we can say, oh, I'm not interested in what you're thinking and how you're thinking. I want you to just behave this way and do these things. Mm, and then okay. my job is to get you to do that. Right. So, I mean, we're just talking about like major societal shifts and I, I think it's already starting to happen. Right. And I think it's going to keep happening because there's just a growing number of neurodivergent kids that are going right. to get older and get jobs and be a part of the world. And it's a really amazing thing to experience the world cutting through the BS. Yeah. The great, yeah. you know, if you think about the, the Greta Thornburgs of the world, mm -hmm. just come right out and say, Hey, the largest corporations are destroying the planet. There's not much we can do as individuals. We need them to stop. You know, like right. she's, she's on the spectrum. You know, she has autism. She can't come in and say, you know, she can't be intimidated. They can't say, Oh, you can't say that. Oh, I can't say that's what she thinks. She's going to say what she thinks. So right. I think we're talking about, you know, giving kids the space to become self-confident adults mm -hmm. who believe in themselves who can think critically and independently and be change makers. Mm. And that's, that's what we're going to need. And we need the adults to set that up because like we're seeing the laws that are happening. I don't think that it's safe to assume that gay marriage will be legal 10 years from now, the way things are going. Right. I don't think that we can, you know, I think whatever positive legislation has been passed, it can be taken away. That's, right. that's what we're witnessing right now. Nothing right. is sacred. Everything is on the table. Everything is up for grabs. And so, you know, if we want to keep certain rights, we're going to have to, you know, build some movements for them again, because that's where they came from in the first place. Right. So all of that means people, people working together. And you uh -huh. can't do that if you're not going to respect and make space for individuals. Right. And who they are and how they think and how they behave and what their preferences are and you know, you know, a child cannot control being neurodivergent and a child cannot change being LGBTQIA plus. And like I said, there's an intersectionality to right. it because you've got a lot of neurodivergent kids that are LGBTQIA plus, And right. we've got a lot of kids that are not white, that are experiencing the world and hearing the right. news. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of crossover going on. So mm. I don't even think today, I mean, we have to care about specific attacks, absolutely. But I don't think that this is a moment for single issues. You you can't, I mean, especially if you're talking about defending trans kids. That just right. brings up gender, race, socioeconomic status, right. you know, just so many, so many different issues, right? So right. that's where it's like, you know, it sounds so ideal. Oh, we have to make the world a safer, but like, we have to. We right. have the suicide rates are so high for LGBTQIA plus kids. I mean, check it out. Look at the Trevor Project website and mm -hmm. really let it sink in. You know, we yeah. we have to take action. We don't really have a choice. Right. And the the media is just doing this onslaught that there's something just so wrong with being trans. You know, it's mm -hmm. like picking the most vulnerable, marginalized right. people. 
right. in, in the United States, right, in our society and saying, yeah, they're the problem. They're the reason that you can't pay your credit card bill. They're the right. problem, right? Right. You know, all the, the grooming and the agenda and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we're talking about kids. We're talking about people that, right. you know, kids, adults, whatever. We're talking about people that every single day they have to fight for the right to exist. Right. And we need to make that. We need to make their experiences totally different. Yeah. We, we have to. Nobody should just have to fight for the right to exist every day. Right. right. That just leaving the house makes you a target or going to school makes you a target. We have to do better than that. And it's it, like I said, it's on us. Right. It is not on trans people. I mean, of course, we fight together. Right. It's yeah. not like, oh, we're the saviors. But it is not the job of a trans child to get right. their teacher to use their name and pronouns. That right. is not fair to put that right. on. And like some kids want to speak up for themselves and other kids know that they're just going to face retaliation from the adults in the school and they don't want to put themselves in that vulnerable position. But we as adults and as parents don't have anything to lose by marching down to that school and demanding that our kids name and pronouns be used. And so we've got to like get some gumption and, you know, show up, yeah. show up and, and be, you know, loud and proud and organize our communities to do that. I love everything you said. And as you were saying that, it was like, what does it look like for the Jamie series in the future? Because I mean, I know Jamie probably has more stories to tell as it relates to their life. Because like you said, it doesn't just stop at the gender. Well, I would love to. I mean, I don't have like an actual release date to put out there, but I I would love for a next Jamie book to be right. about bullying mm. and for the message to be that it's on the other kids yes. to stand up for the kid being bullied. Yeah. Because that's what it comes down to. And I like there's too much... Um, teaching kids that if you're bullied, it's your responsibility yeah. to find an adult. You know, you can't fight back. The second a kid fights back against a bully, they get suspended for violence, yeah. right? Zero tolerance. And it's yeah. the, the victim who then gets in trouble. Right. And, the bull and I think, you know, bullying is a really, really, really big issue because the qualities of a bully actually are rewarded in our society later yeah. on. They really yeah. are the qualities of some of, you know, what does it take to be successful in a company or a politician or, you know, there's a lot of very, you know, big deal positions in society that those, some of those qualities help you get there. Yeah. So I don't think that it's realistic to say, okay, we're going to have schools where there's zero bullying. I just, right. I don't, I think our society really, um, values it mm -hmm. too much. You know, there's yeah. bullies who become presidents, you know, like we see yep. it all the time. So I think it's more teaching mm. that when you see something happening, you and everyone else seeing it speaks up and says, this is wrong. Right. This is not okay. You can't speak to, you know, in, in this case, it would be Jamie. Like you can't speak to Jamie that way. Jamie's our yeah. friend. You can't yeah. treat her friend like that. And that's where it becomes so key to create um, environments of children, the groups of children, the environment has to be, we support one another. Mm -hmm. We respect one another. We care about one another. And that issue of respect is like, not, it's not an automatic. Yeah. It really isn't. If you're having respect in a classroom where people 
cheer on one another when they do something well mm-hmm. is not as common as people pointing out when a kid does something wrong. Yeah. You know, that is, when, oh, you got that wrong. Oh, you made a mistake. Oh, you exactly. tripped, right? Instead of like, wow, you knew where the comma goes. Let's applaud, you know, yeah. Sally for knowing where the comma goes. That's right. so hard, you know? So we, that's what I'm saying. It really comes down to us as adults. We have to see the bigger picture. We have mm-hmm. to see the implications of these things. And if we maintain um, little pockets of respect and safety, and I, you know, we use the word inclusion and acceptance, but I don't really think it's that. I think it's actually celebrating the mm. individual for yeah. their individuality. Because yeah. it's a really amazing, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. We don't yeah. want everyone just being two genders. We don't want everyone just being, you know, heterosexual or it's like so boring and like yes we're not talking about sexuality but like that's not you know right what is that everyone just like thinks the same and we all watch the same romantic comedies like whoa that's so boring so (laughs) it's like say you know that each of us our creativity and so with that i mean there's just so many changes that go with that with that goes creativity, creative thinking, critical thinking, independent thinking, that your opinion, your take on something matters just as much as mine. And we don't have to agree with one another, but we can have an equal exchange of ideas. And your ideas aren't better than mine and mine aren't better than yours because I'm not better than you and you're not better than me. But let's talk about it because does your, do your ideas hurt other people? Do your ideas disparage other people or not, you know, and just be able to challenge one another because there's, there's so much that we just take for granted in this, you know, but just the other day I was, you know, talking to my, talking to my kid and I was like, you know, they were saying, oh, I'm not really good at, I don't remember what, like, I'm not really good at writing short stories. I was like, oh, don't worry about it. Next year, we're going to whip you into shape. And my kid had never heard that expression before. Uh-huh. And she stopped. They stopped. They stopped and their eyes bugged out of their head. And they were like, can you think about what you just said and how racist that is? Mm. And it never for a second, because I've only ever seen it in like a sports, like the yeah. coach being like, oh, we're doing a shit. And they were horrified that, wow. that those words had come out of my mouth. And I had never for a second stop to think about it. And yeah, I'm done. I'm never using that expression again. I love the fact that your child recognized that, you know, because that is an expression, especially growing up. People said that all the time. I'm gonna whip you into shape. And it was just like, okay, let the whipping begin because I need to learn whatever or do whatever, you know? <laughs> and you just saying that now, I was just like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> never so- even thought about it. And there are so many expressions like yeah. that. So that's what I'm saying. Like, kids get it. Mm-hmm. Kids don't have a problem with this. It's the adult. It's right. us. We have to, like, question and rethink and analyze mm-hmm. and talk about it and give space for our kids to be here. But also give space to learn from our kids because I think they have so much to teach us right now because they are so far advanced on these yeah. questions, that, you know, more so than we are. And I, I think of myself as a very, you know, open-minded lefty person, you know, for my whole life. And, and it's like, wow, there's just all these things I've never thought about or questioned or, you know, been challenged on. And I, I think, 
you know, language is only one area, but language is a huge thing. And that's, yeah. that's really the pronoun debate. It's challenging mm -hmm. how we understand language. It's right. challenging our, you know, perceptions of pronouns and who people are and who they're supposed to be. And, right. you know, we can, we can lead with love and respect or not. Right. And I'm just going to say, I'm not going to get into religion, but every religion preaches love. Yes. Every religion, every religion is supposed yeah. to be about love. So right. if you're loving some, if you're loving people and respecting people, then you use their name, you use their pronouns, yeah. you let them be who they are and you don't make it your job to want them to be someone who they aren't. And you don't right. put your expectations on them because then that's not accepting them for yeah. who they are. I love all of that. And I just have to say, like, this has been one of the most amazing conversations. Like, seriously. Because I am still learning. This is why I wanted to, you know, even start this whole process of talking about gender and just non-binary issues and things of this nature. Because even though I am a part of the community as a lesbian woman, there's still things that I don't even know, Right. And even down to you sharing with me about um, your child being, um, oh gosh, you said they they identify as um, I'm by gender, by gender, gender fluid, and yeah. horogender. So horogender, can, can you like enlighten me? Because I that's this is the first time I've ever heard of this. So I I think the definitions of all three kind of cross over where yeah. you just feel like different genders and it just kind of, you know, can be non-gender, one gender, another gender, that there's just this fluidity to it. Okay. And I just want to say, I know you're going to have many different speakers and I really hope you get a speaker in their teens or twenties, because I'm sure to yeah. a lot of people, I sound like a dinosaur and I sound outdated and I'm not, you know, with it enough with the language and i apologize i am you know doing Listen. my best but i'm a different generation no. so like get someone to educate who is you know yes. in their 20s and what i will say there's a picture book that i had the privilege of getting to write um you know on the a quote on, that's on the back of the book i got to write some praise for it. it's called the abcs of gender identity and it really is the entire alphabet of gender wow. identity like there are a lot, and I, I just think, you know, language is really important and something that, you know, for someone who's interested to keep, keep your eyes on because the singular they, it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but it, it's kind of problematic. It gets a little confusing. And I right. think that there's more and more and more pronouns that are going to be, you know, come into use. I haven't seen others that have been as mainstream as a singular they and, you know, recognize in a formal way, but I, you know, language is continuing to evolve. And I just think, you know, get a young person in your life who can, who can teach you, who can keep you up to date. Yes. because It's not, it's not in the mainstream media, right? We're not right. like, you know, there isn't a national discussion, you know, on CNN, there's a new gender neutral pronoun. Here it is. How do you use it? <laughs> Tune in, right? Like we're, we're not at that point. Right. So, you know, talk to find some people in your life who are a little more clued in than, you know, than I, I spent a lot of my time with a 10 year old. So, um, right. I'm getting, you know, what they're giving me, but find you know, spend, spend time with the hip, cool, 
teens and 20 something year olds. Well, that's the thing. My daughter's 15. She'll be 16. And so she is always correcting me. So I, you know, she, as you're saying, this, like, I might have to like, see if she's willing to sit down and talk to me about this because like I said, that it's a constant thing with her. With I'll say something, like, actually, mom, it's this, 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 and this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, and you're right. It's like we are in this phase as adults of learning and unlearning things, yes. um, which has been kind of difficult for even myself because I, you grow up learning and, and thinking the world is one way. And then it's like, actually, no. And so you're trying to then, you know, keep keep it together, but then still feel like, I don't know what the heck is going on, you know? <laughs> well, nothing, nothing forces you to do that than having a child that needs it. Yeah. And, you know, if I didn't have to advocate for my child, write picture books for my kid, advocate for my kid, make space for my kid to exist, I don't, I don't know how involved in this I would be I would care I mean I've gone to pride every year since I was in high school and right. you know, have always always cared but it's different when it's your child it's different yeah. when you have a neurodivergent child and you have to fight to get them an education and right. space and you know get accommodations made so they can play soccer too you know or right. having a trans kid who all of a sudden is not allowed to play soccer yeah or baseball like you know this just it's outrageous. Right. And yeah. then you, you want to fight for your kid. And so what I'm, what I'm putting out there is that I don't think, you know, I think the age of like individual responsibility has to be over. I don't think this is like an individual fight. You fight for your child, mm -hmm. but to really make space, you need broader sections of the community fighting yeah. with you. Right. So that's really where, you know, that's a really big, shift because I, I think we've just really been made to feel like whatever we're going through we have to figure it out on our own mm, right and i think you know if we just look back a few decades before right. we saw well actually like you know the really big struggles that have happened was not individuals just figuring it out or you know just on their computer it was people had to actually come together in public right. spaces and take space so i i think we've got a We've got to set our, our sights on that. We've got right. to start to come together and talk about what and how and learn from the, the people doing it and learn yeah. from what they're doing and say, oh, how do we do that too? I I, I am so hopeful about the future, but I, I'm hopeful for a future that we can make for mm -hmm. our kids. Right. For anyone listening, if there's something, you know, there isn't a book about whatever thing, write the book. That's uh, what I did. Yes. I wrote the book and I sent it out and they wanted to publish it. Free Spirit right. Publishing said, yes, <laughs> yes, we need, you know, the editor was, you know, when he was a little boy, he identified with Jamie, you know, yeah, I, would, I wanted to play with that stuff when I was little and I, you know, wasn't really allowed to. I want this book because there's, I know, I know these guys, I was that kid, right? So <sighs> That's that's what it comes down to. We create right. the stories. We make the media. We choose what happens mm. in our kids' classrooms. We do all that stuff. So we can get the books into the classrooms. We can, you know, invite the drag storyteller right. into, you know, our libraries and our communities. You know, we and we just have to be so open minded and really willing to say that a lot of the things that we think may be wrong. 
We mm. may need to reconsider, you know, what, how we think of childhood, yeah. how we, you know, what we think kids need, how we think kids should learn, what we, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we don't mm. know. Maybe kids know what they need and we yeah. need to ask them. You know, yeah. maybe they know who they are better than we know who they are. And we have to ask them. I literally could sit here and talk to you all day. Cause like, I am just like in awe and like, I'm like, I'm learning, like, teach me more, teach me more. Like, this has been such a beautiful conversation. No, I am so serious. And so before we go, if you can let everyone know where they can get the Jamie series and just where they can find you, like on social media, any websites, yeah, take it away. Sure, definitely. So the three, there are three Jamie books. If you want to see the whole Jamie is Jamie series, um, Free Spirit Publishing mm. um, has sells them, sells the whole series. But the individual books are absolutely on Amazon. So if you look up Jamie is Jamie is the first book, the others should come up. But it's um, Jamie is Jamie, Jamie and Bubby. And Jamie's class has something to say. Oh. Um, so that's I, they've got longer titles, but I don't want to take up too much time. So oh, you can definitely find those on Amazon. The free teachers leaders guide is mm -hmm. on the um, publisher's website. So you go to the series page and then you scroll all the way down and there's a, P a free PDF. <laughs> and um, I am absolutely available. I'm available to do virtual readings. You know, if we're in the same area, in-person readings, mm -hmm. you know, um, for homeschooling advice, coaching, whatever you need. I am so, so easily, easy to find. Um, on Instagram, it's Maradian.Apsine, which I know is hard, but I think you can see my name yes. here. So it's not that hard. So Maradian.Apsine. And um, on Facebook, um, the coaching is MLC Homeschool Coaching. So mm -hmm. you can look up that page and message me through there. I have an author website, which is my name, absolutemeridian.com, and a coaching website, mlccoaching.com. So if you message me, I will I will message you back. It's me. I don't have I don't have an assistant. I don't have, you know, I sort of, you know, sort of try to get my kid. My kid will barely even like, you know, <laughs> do what I ask, but <laughs> it's me. I can't even get my kid to say, I'll oh, I'll get back to you shortly, you know. It's all, it's all me. So um, any questions, you know, any, anything, anything that comes up here that you want to talk more about, you know, I will gladly, gladly give my time and, you know, suggest resources, any, any way that I can help, because I can't think of anything more important or a better way to spend my time. So I'm around. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much for this time. And I will share all the information you uh, provided in the show notes as well. This has been amazing. And I hope at some point you can come back and we can talk more about things that you're doing. And, you know, maybe we'll, we could talk about the new Jamie series. Who knows? Like that's a new book is part of the Jamie series, rather, is what I'm trying to say. This was awesome. So thank you so much again. This was literally a blessing for me. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you are welcome. Y'all, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the E2Me podcast. I'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Eating Me podcast. I am so happy that you all keep coming back to listen to these awesome conversations. And so please, if you have not, please subscribe to the podcast. 
If you haven't rated or reviewed the show, please take the time to rate and review the show. These conversations mean so much to me, and I hope they mean that much to you. So definitely continue to rate and review start rating and reviewing and continue to share or start sharing the podcast with those that you love or those that you're trying to love. (laughs) All right, y'all. I'll see y'all on the next episode. I love you. Bye. Mm -hmm.